What's going on, ladies and gents? Robert Sykes, KetoSavage.com, and today I've got special guest Bronson Dant on the line. I met him at the Keto Summit Omaha a few weeks back, and he and I hit it off because we both share passion for health and fitness, obviously, but wanting to kind of break the ice and get more people like the general public. Like, we don't want to make this for elite athletes exclusively. Like, we want to help people from all walks of life, no matter where they're starting from. So he shares that passion. We dove into that. He's also a coach and a trainer. So we talk about some of the the things he's learned in doing that. We talk about mindset. We actually dove into mindset quite a bit. And I got fired up. We started talking about that. So I hope you enjoy that segment. But yeah, I really enjoyed the conversation. Hope you do as well. Without further ado, Bronson Dant. And Bronson, we're live. How are you, brother? I'm doing great, man. How are you doing? I'm doing wonderfully well. We met for the first time at the Keto Summit Omaha, and we mm-hmm. both hit it off because I feel like we have both come from a fitness background, and we're both wanting to like make fitness more accessible to the general public, not just like athletes specifically, and I feel like you Definitely. spoke very passionately about that, so I'd love to kind of dive into that topic. Okay. Yeah. Um, but I've been, gosh, I've been coaching for almost eight years now. Um did a little, I, I really, I, I, just a little bit about me, I guess. Um, yeah, give me some, bio, I, uh, I was your typical, you know, standard American diet, American male in the mid thirties at one point and 45 pounds overweight injuries, things aching, you know, just the, the, all the things that you hear people talk about all the time. Um, tired all the time, didn't want to do anything. And, uh, and even at this time, I was thinking about this the other night. I was even at this time that I was 45 pounds overweight. I thought I was in shape. Um, I was in the National Guard. And I hate to say this about myself, but I, in a lot of ways, I think I was that typical picture of what people think about the National Guard, mm-hmm. right? You know, they're in the military, sure, but they're not the, the picture of what a military person should be. Um, I wasn't by any means like so out of shape that you would think, oh my God, that guy is you know, he's an embarrassment to the uniform, but I definitely wasn't the epitome of what I felt I was as a soldier. Um, which looking back now is kind of sad and embarrassing to myself. Um, but that's part of what made me change and want to make a change in my life is when I realized where I was, um, I was actually at the beach and my daughter took a picture of me sitting in a chair. Um, I saw it a little bit later that day and was like, Oh my gosh, who is that guy? Right. It's like, wait a second. You know, I've got man boobs. What's going on here? Um, and it just kind of made me say, you know, never again. I'm never I never want to look at myself and not know who that person is, because that person in that picture did not match the person of the the vision I had of who I was as a person. Were you um, pretty thin, like pretty fit earlier, like in your 20s? Yeah. Yeah. So I graduated high school. I was six foot tall, 165 pounds, and I squatted 300 pounds. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, I joined the army and I gained 20 pounds. Right. Um, I lost a little bit of strength. Right. Because I went from just lifting in high school. I lifted in high school for two hours a day for two years. My junior and senior in high school was weight training. Um, and I joined the army and then I started running. Right. So I was. At 19 years old, I was 7% body fat, 185 pounds, right? Um, I was like ridiculous. And then joined, the, you know, act, got out of active duty after five years, got a desk job, had kids, did the whole thing. And then it just kind of completely turned around. Um, but I still had in my head that I was this skinny, ripped, strong, active person. And I really wasn't. I'm curious, man. I feel like, because like, I don't have any kids yet, but, yeah. you know, maybe here for 12 along I, I will and i see a lot of people that are in their you know mid 20s 30s mm-hmm. and they start following this you know quote unquote life path that's laid out for the the general population and you just kind of see them fall into the you know stereotypical status quo like they they let themselves get out of shape they yep. they say oh I'm, i've got kids you know i'm busy the one thing that i hear all the time is like people that are older than me 10 years older than me that have kids look at me and they're like Oh, you know, but when you'll have kids, it'll all change and you won't be able to do any of this stuff. So like internally, I'm taking all these comments and I'm like, well, I'll freaking show you, <laughs> you know, yeah, good, good. Do that. But I don't know, like psychologically speaking, why it is that people just kind of automatically gravitate towards letting themselves go a little bit during that time frame when you're in their life. 
I don't either. Um, I think part of it is obviously the obvious stuff is when you have kids, more things get added to your plate. Mm -hmm. And so something has to fall off. And for a majority of people, for whatever reason, the thing, one of the things that falls off the table or, or gets put to the side is their health. Um, even though as I've you know been coaching and seeing more people and working with more people and helping them realize it shouldn't be that way. Um, it's the exact opposite of it's actually easier to manage your kids and the schedule and all the, in your work and home responsibilities and all that kind of stuff. If you are making time for yourself and taking some time to work on your health and fitness. Uh, so it's kind of a, something about society today says, Oh, I have to take care of my kids. So I have to put myself on the back burner when really that's not the case at all. Yeah. I mean, I just feel like, you know, again, I don't have kids, so I can't really speak from experience on this, but I feel like having a good structured routine is going to make me a much better parent when that time comes. Plus I know like for me, training is like my meditation. So if I don't have that, I'm just going to be short and snappy with my kids and, and they don't want that from me. I assure you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, when you have, when you take the time to take care of your own mental health, to take care of your body, um, to use that time to kind of structure your thoughts, plan your day, whatever it is, um, even if it's not working out, even if it's just, you know, waking up in the morning and spending 15 minutes reading some meditations or, you know, just sitting in a corner and just thinking about something or just enjoy a cup of coffee on your couch before you start your day, whatever it is, take some time. Um, and the, the one thing that I would say, especially if you have kids now, I think anyone should do this where they have, they have kids or not. Right. Um, but especially if you have kids that using that as an example to them, that they are important and they need to take care of themselves because they watch you take care of yourself. Right. Yeah. It helps build that example. So not only do you have the structure of this is how I'm going to run my life and I'm going to stick with that, that they see, but they also see that they are important and that their mental health is important. And that's something that I think um, in general, we don't, we don't focus on enough. We always focus on look good, get skinny, get strong, but we don't think about mental health. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, a lot of people, I've said this before on, on my podcast, like I try and live my life in a way that is symbiotic in nature. So like, no, no one thing is distracting from the betterment of the whole. Like I, I try and make everything that I do in my life all work, you know, together so that the the whole yes. ship rises, so to speak. So yes. I mean, that's why, I mean, that, that was one of the main motivations for me building a business and career path around health, fitness, and nutrition because it would make adhering to that health and nutrition and physical fitness much more, you know, in line with my business goals. Like it's all yeah. one and the same. And I feel yeah, like a lot of people yeah. look at my life and be like, oh, you're just lucky because you do that for a living. But it's like, no, no, I reverse engineered my life from day one to make this happen. Like this was my mm -hmm. doing. And mm -hmm. I feel like so much just stems from people's excuses or desire to kind of give themselves an easy out. Whereas if you just buckle down and figure out how you want to live and then do it, you can make yeah. it so much more, you know, feasible. Yeah. Um I don't know where I got this. It might've been from when I was in the army. It could have been something my parents told me when I was a kid, you know, when I had chores to do and I didn't want to do them or had a, a task that was assigned to me that I didn't want to do. Um, and you just, over time, I just learned that the, the time is going to go by one or the other. And the work that has to get done is still the work that has to get done. So whether I take five hours to do that chore or I bust my ass and I get it done in 30 minutes, it's still the same work that has to get done. Right. Mm -hmm. So uh, the excuses, the putting things off the whatever else, like it's going to catch up to you at some point. So why not just do it now? Totally. What, what is your general demographic for your clientele? Um, my clientele, let's see, I'd say uh, probably average age is 35 to 45. Yeah. You know what? We'll go even higher than that. I'll probably say 30, 38 to 40, 45, 46 um, in that, I'll get about eight, 10 year, 10 year range, the, you know, late thirties, early forties. Um, I'm 47 myself. I'll be 48 this year. So kind of that range. Um, and are they coming to you saying something to the effect of, Hey, I got a picture of myself. I've got man boobs. Fix me up. <laughs> a lot of that. Yeah. Um, I get a lot of guys who want to get back. Right. I used to do this. I'm going to get back to that. 
Um, and I have a lot of um, women who um, just aren't happy with where they are, whether they used to be or not. They just look at themselves and they're like, I'm not happy with what I see in the mirror. I'm not happy with how I feel. I'm not happy with my energy level. Um, I'm depressed about just a lot of things in general. And I think that's because of my fitness or my health. Um, a lot of guys who want to keep up with their kids. Um, a lot of guys for guys, mostly I think it's, it's a, uh, it's a self image thing. Mm -hmm. um, and again, mental health, right? Most guys won't really admit that it's a self image thing. Um, but no, but no, nobody guys or girls, nobody likes to, to think of themselves as being something they're not right. So, I think it's a motivating factor for a lot of people. What do you think? Like, I feel like the ideal image of what is embodied by being a man or a woman is, and this is a super deep question, but I feel like that's mm -hmm. kind of changed a lot over the past, you know, generation. And yes. I, I feel like there's been a lot more emphasis made on, you know, having health and, and being physically fit which is good because for a while there like that was just like it was cool and you were a man if you could smoke a pack of camel cigarettes and <laughs> wear a suit you know so like i feel right. like that's changed for the better but where do you see kind of like it going especially in that demographic um gosh i think that's that is a really deep question i have to think about that a little bit because i don't know i think every generation has if we just talk about being a healthy person that in and of itself you'll get 15 million different definitions of what that means right mm -hmm. um not even to talk about societal roles between men and women and toxic masculinity and feminism and like we could that we could spin around a whole bunch of different bottles on this in kind of this realm of discussion um i think particularly for the demographic that i'm in right if we look at my age range you know the the mid mid to early forties. Oh God. I, I say that late, late forties now, crap. Um, almost fifties. <laughs> um, for me, I'll just use myself as an example. I think the ability to take care of my family, to take care of the people that I care about is where probably the core of it starts. Yeah. Right. If, if I have to worry about, you know, my granddaughter, uh, who's a year and a half old right now, if I, I don't, I want to be able to be around when she's in middle school, junior high school, high school, college, and things like that. I want to be able to be there and, and show support for her and be there for her mom and, and just things like that. Like um, being around, being present, and being active in their lives, my kids' and my grandkids' lives, I think is probably one of the driving factors um, and one of the ways that I define myself as a man. I totally agree, and I feel like, there's so many people that would also agree with that. I feel like, you know, family is everything. I've said that from day one. Yeah. And the relationships you have in life are so much bigger than than you. So focusing on that is key. But I mm -hmm. see so many people that give no thoughts towards their health or the food they're putting in their mouth. And they know. I mean, there is a lot of ignorance out there that, that people just don't know. But there is a lot of people that do know, you know, what mm -hmm. is right and wrong. And mm -hmm. I feel like just totally pissing away your health and letting it decline is one of the most selfish things you could do because it pays no mind to your lasting health and your ability to be there for your family. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like I said, you, it, you, it's going to catch up to you one way or the other, right? You can put the time in now and go to the gym and stop eating the, the, the Pringles every night and stop the, you know, drinking the Cokes, the three Cokes a day, stop drinking the six pack every night when you come home, whatever it is, whatever that thing is that you got or, couple of things that you've got going on you can work on changing those habits now or when you're 45 years old you can have a heart attack and then have the doctor tell you you know what you're going to you need to stop all this crap right because you just spent uh, a week in the hospital or you got triple bypass or who knows whatever you know you got diabetes and you have to get your foot cut off i mean those are extremes but that's what happens right mm -hmm. um and if you just take some time and do little things now. And that's, I think, one of the messages that I have for people who are looking at, you know, okay, so all these, these things are going to happen if I don't do this. Well, I don't know where to start. Um, the, the first thing that I would say is don't, it doesn't have to be big, right? It's little things. The little things every day that you do consistently is what's going to make the big changes, right? You don't have to join a gym, start working out six days a week, 
stop eating all carbs, um, eat three pounds of meat every day and take a bunch of supplements, get blue blocker glasses, get red light therapy, start doing ice, you know, cold therapy. Like you don't have to do all that stuff yeah. right off the bat, right? Start with going for a walk three times a week and, yeah. and just get that to be consistent, right? That's step one, right? Step two, maybe stop drinking sodas every day, right? Even if it's, you know, maybe you drink two sodas a day, maybe you go down to one soda a day for a couple of weeks, right? And then you can say, you know what, I'm going to go to two sodas a week, right? I'll have one on Monday and one on Friday, right? And then you go to no sodas at all. Like it doesn't have something that you can do that is challenging because if it's not challenging, it's not going to work. But at the same time, something that is challenging that you can sustain and not feel like you're completely disrupting your whole entire lifestyle. I feel like there are definitely some outliers out there that, that thrive in the context of just rip the bandaid off. Like, let's just change everything. And then that massive shift in thinking and doing is going to be what gives me momentum to carry through. But I feel yeah. like that is much more so the outlier. And most people yeah, absolutely. probably benefit from easing into it. Yeah. And the thing is, um, even those, uh, to split that up a little bit even more, there's a ton of people actually who want to do that. Um, and most, and a lot of people do make that jump, they, but then they don't last. Yeah. Right. Um, if, and the two things are one, they made a jump. They tried to make too many changes at once. Um, and then the second thing is they did it without any guidance. Mm -hmm. So I highly recommend if you're going to make a change, whether it's a small change and you're just doing those, you know, couple miles a week, whatever, or that one Coke a day, whatever. Or if you decide, Hey, you know what? I want to just jump all in on the, not a toe in the water kind of person. I'm a cannonball kind of person. Um, get a coach, get somebody who can guide you and motivate you and make sure you're not doing things that are going to be detrimental um, and can help you sustain and answer your questions and keep you going. Um, because if you, especially if you're the cannonball kind of person, you're cannonballing into a deep end of water, right? That you don't have any footing because you don't know what you're getting into because you've never done it before. Yes. So I'm all for that jump in, but if you're going to jump in, make sure there's a lifeguard, make sure there's somebody there that can hold, that can swim with you. Totally. I mean, you and I are both coaches and I probably downplay the technical skills that we as coaches have maybe to a fault, but mm -hmm. I feel like the technical skill aspect of it is, is really not why people benefit from having a coach. I feel like it's more just the accountability factor. Yeah. Accountability and, Understanding um, a good coach is a coach who has been where you have been and can relate to your story. I have, right? a, I have a slight rant on that topic. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, like keto is obviously very hot right now, mm -hmm. um, has been for a while now. And these, I feel, I feel very blessed to have gotten into the space before it was popular because then it's like, I, automatically have some credibility by default because I wasn't in it and jumping into it just to ride the wave. Sure. I got in it for, you know, true reasons because I could tell how it made a difference. But I've seen so many coaches just like proclaim themselves as like keto experts overnight mm -hmm. and yeah. they haven't even been keto adapted. I mean, I've had people reach out to me and say, <laughs> That's Hey, bad. That's really bad. Oh, yeah. it's terrible. I've had people reach out to me and say, Hey, you're a coach with keto. I have a client that is keto can you teach me how to coach them? And I'm just like, I, I, that doesn't make any sense to me. Like, how can you honestly accept somebody's money right. if you don't even know how to direct them? Right, right. Yeah. It, yeah. Refer to them. Referring them is fine, but it, yeah. It, acknowledge your, your weaknesses, right? It's, yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll use that as an example, right? So you're a bodybuilder, okay? Mm -hmm. um, I'm not. If I have a client who comes to me and says, hey, um, I want to do ketogenic bodybuilding. I'm going to say, go talk to Rob Sykes, yeah, right? Yeah. Because I'm not a bodybuilding coach. I have the knowledge in my head that would say, Hey, I know what macros should be. I know how to time and what you, you know, in theory, when you should be doing what up to your, up to your competition and, and what you're bulking and cutting. I, I understand how all that stuff works, but I've never done it. Yeah. Right. So I, I would not feel comfortable saying, hey, as a bodybuilder, I'm going to get you ready for your first show or your second show or, or whatever it may be. Um, yeah, 
I feel like you know? a lot of it is just this scarcity mindset with coaches. You know, like I don't want to try and have as many clients as possible. I want to be really good at the few clients that I have on a very specific thing because sure. I want to be the best at that specific thing. Like for me, it's natural ketogenic bodybuilding. Like that's my thing, mm -hmm. period. But yep. there's areas yep. that you are way far above what I could do. So I don't need to have your clients. Like I would refer them to you all day long because it just makes sense. Like I want, at the end of the day, the client's interest should be top of mind. Yes. Yes. And too many coaches um, are more concerned with their reputation and the influence and the visibility that they have with who they coach or what they coach, whatever, than they are about actually just solving their clients' problems and helping their clients be successful. Totally. So um, as, as a coach and kind of working with the demographic that you do, mm -hmm. what are some of the, the big like pitfalls that you encounter? Like where do people tend to go astray? I mean, being a coach is one of the most gratifying and frustrating things at the same time. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. I don't know. It's hard to navigate those waters sometimes, but like, what are, what are you seeing as far as like, what's, what's veering people off track and what's keeping them on track? Uh, okay. So there's a, gosh, there's probably, if I sat down and took some time to write a list, I'd probably have a bunch of stuff. Um, I think one of the things is fear, right? Fear of getting started, right? Change is scary. The unknown is scary. Uh, not knowing or being sure of what you, the, you can do as a person is, is scary. Being put in situations that you're not sure what to expect is scary. Uh, so there's a lot of a lot of a lot of this when someone's making this change is just fear. Like I have no idea what to expect. I don't know what I can do. I don't think I can do anything. Um, so one of the things that I work with people for the first good chunk of time that I'm working with somebody is just getting them to understand that they can do this, mm -hmm. right? It doesn't, again, it doesn't have to be big steps, but it also doesn't have to be things that are so daunting and so difficult that they just can't do it, right? We start small, we modify exercises, we scale movements, we start with, it's like riding a bike, right? You're not gonna, you know, give a kid a bike and say, okay, go down that hill if they've never been on a bike before. Right. Um, I equated a lot to juggling. Um, if anybody, if any of my clients are listening, they've heard me tell this, say this before, right? If you're learning how to juggle, you're not going to pick up three chainsaws and start juggling, right? You're going to pick up one ball and toss it up and down in your hand until you get comfortable. Then you're going to toss it up and down in the other hand. And then you're going to go one ball back and forth between both hands until you can do that and be comfortable with both hands. Then you do two balls. Then you go to three balls, right? And it's just, it's a process. Um, so understanding that it's a process and not being afraid of the process, I think is one thing that um, people need to understand and can get through to, to be successful. Um, I, I feel it's, like processes, I mean, I, I totally agree. I feel like processes, you know, falling in love with the process is absolutely key. I feel like process mm -hmm. is heard and people automatically think, you know, long game long term which is good like i like the word long game but yes. i feel like so many people especially in this day and age are living in such this short-sighted sphere where they just yep. want immediate results so how do you tease that out of them when they start gravitating to wanting that instant gratification uh so when i'm working with people i try to set goals that are long term but then i also try to set benchmarks and milestones that are more short term so, you know, hey, the long-term goal is uh, a year from now, I want to be 15% less body fat, 20% less body fat, and I want to be able to do a Spartan race without dying, right? That's a long-term goal. Um, a short-term goal is I want to gain a pound of muscle on a, every month, right? So something like that, right? So something that we can track on a monthly basis. Um, as opposed to waiting all the way to the end of the year to see if they got there. Mm -hmm. um, when they do their workouts, hey, the goals for these workouts, you're going to have three workouts a week, and I'm going to give you a goal for every single workout. I want you to finish this workout in this time. I want you to do this weight in, in this workout. I want you to, to do whatever. So every time you, you do something, you have a goal that you know you're trying to accomplish, and you accomplish that goal at the end of that workout. So you have that satisfaction of accomplishment every single time you do something for yourself. 
I like that. I like that. Little short wins incrementally. Yeah. Yeah. Short wins incrementally. So, and that's again, we're having a coach helps because sometimes it's hard to see what those can be if you're doing it by yourself. That's so true, man. Like I work with clients and I'll, you know, I'll just preach to them like, you got to take measurements, metrics, pictures, anything mm -hmm. outside the scale weight alone because, you know, having, having multiple anchor points where you can actually measure progress no matter what it is, whether it's in your business, your career path, your relationship, your fitness, your nutrition, anything. Like it yeah. makes no sense to have one one statistic that you're measuring all of your success or failure against. And I see that all the time with the scale. And you yeah. wouldn't do that with any other area of your life. So why do people do it with their, their yeah, weight loss right? journey? I, I, I don't understand it. I mean, I do understand it a little bit, it's, right? It's what we've been told. It's all about weight all the time, right? Because the whole calories in, calories out model is just about weight, right? Another reason why I really am tired of it. Um, I, I've said this for a while is that if you're not tracking, then you don't really care. Yeah. Right. So like you said, your body composition information, um, I like to do that when I'm working with people, I do that monthly. Um, your transformation stuff if you want to do that some people do it weekly some people do it monthly some people do it every couple months whatever but I, I think it's a great thing to look at because you may not feel like anything's changing but when you look at that picture that you just took this morning and then you look at the one you took two months ago and you go holy crap who's that person like this is crazy like i didn't think anything was changing um but when you visually see it um it just kind of makes you realize hey you are doing something for yourself and it is working it's so huge, man. I mean, I, just using myself as an example, I'm. this is the 15th week into my contest prep, and I've literally yep. not stepped outside of my macro goals once. I've meal prepped everything. I've tracked every macro. I've eaten every meal on target, even when traveling. Yeah. I haven't missed a workout. Like, it does not get any more strict than what I've been doing. And mm -hmm. in that time, I have lost less than 10 pounds. That would drive most people crazy. But yeah, right? <laughs> I know like just in how my body's changed in its appearance, you know, by skin fold measurements, by DEXA scan, by mm -hmm. everything else, that everything's moving in the right direction. But I would never know that if I was so blinded and only narrowly focusing on the weight itself. The weight itself, yeah. Because the weight, is so, it's, it's such a poor measure. It really is. You know, just the basics of if we're trying to focus on burning fat, for most people, okay, so for, for most people and – you know, we talk about fat burn, um, body composition, and and losing bo losing body fat weight is what I like to talk about, um, and that comes with all of the benefits from the health perspective, right? Reduction in risk of all the car you know cardiovascular disease, diabetes, all these things, reversal of all these inflammatory issues and autoimmune, like all these things that come from the keto carnivore um, nutrition lifestyle way of eating. Um, because of primarily a lot of it, loss of body fat. Mm -hmm. And I've, I'm in, I don't even know how many different keto groups on Facebook. Um, I swear every single day I see 15 to 20 posts that say, I've been doing keto for two weeks. I haven't lost any weight. What am I doing wrong? Yeah. And it's like, I, I just want to reach out and just, 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 hold on to these people and say, you've got to give it time. You, it's, it's, this isn't a fat, this isn't a fat loss program just to lose fat. This is to get healthy. And when you're unhealthy, it takes your body time to heal. And that's what we're talking about. Right. And that's where I think the difference between my perspective. And I think a little bit from yours, even though you're a bodybuilder, you're looking at physique and you're looking at performance at a much higher level than the average person. But I think in, in your heart, you also have a focus on helping the normal person be healthy. Um, and, and I think that's where that synergy with us comes in is, you know, it's about health. It's about quality of life. Totally, right? man. I don't care if a single person I work with ever benches 300 pounds or squats 400 pounds, right? Or cleans 315 pounds. Whatever, I don't care if anybody that I work with ever runs a sub four minute mile, right? I care when someone sends me an email and says, Hey, I'm wearing a pair of pants that I haven't worn in 20 years. Thank you. Mm -hmm. That's what gets me going. Right. When I'm watching 
a grandmother play with their granddaughter and say, I used to not be able to up because I was overweight, my knees hurt, et cetera. But now I can pick her up and play with her in the yard and I don't feel beat up afterwards. Right. That's what this is all about for me. Totally. I don't think like if I was to to really dive into people's minds, I mm. I don't think that they truly care as much about the actual scale weight as mm-hmm. it's let out long to believe. I feel like they actually care about what they can do in their day to day, you know, what clothes they can wear, like their own self image. Mm-hmm. And then they just wrongly associate their scale weight with that. But I feel Correct. like it's just a misassociation more so than them actually putting an importance on the scale weight. Because when you look at people that I mean you look you look at like a like an eighty year old grandma who's able to like at one point in her life not even get out of her chair and now mm-hmm. she's like playing with her grandkids and yeah. moving freely and driving and doing all this stuff. I mean, she doesn't give two shits about what the scale says. Not Hopefully at all. not anyways, you know. So yeah. she wants her life back. And I feel like right. anybody that knows anything about happiness in life, they're not going to associate that with a number on the the bathroom scale. It's going to be what you can do in your day-to-day. Yeah. And I think once people get into it, that if they have it and once they get into it and they start working towards that goal or towards a goal that they've been that they've set, they start realizing that. Um, if they have a coach, then they have a good coach that's going to kind of remind them that, like, hey, guys, the weight doesn't mean anything. Look at what you did today versus what you did a month ago, right? Mm-hmm. If you you have – if you surround yourself with other people who are more worried about their physical freedom than they are about the weight, then that's another way to kind of say, hey, look, you know, this is the community I'm surrounding myself with, so I'm that's reinforced. Um, because society, right, you know, we see it on TV all the time. We see skinny people, and the thing – the the, a little bit of cognitive dissonance, right? We don't know how much those beautiful people on TV weigh, mm-hmm. right? I don't know how much a supermodel weighs. I don't know how much that, that guy on that fitness show weighs. All I know is that he's jacked. He's got a six pack. He's got big arms and that's what I want. And I know that I weigh more than I feel like I should. So I arbitrarily pick a number. And then that's that I associate that with how my fitness, right? Um, you know, I did that actually, you know, now we think about that. I did that a few years ago, um, when I was kind of just getting started with this and I didn't really know much about where I wanted to be or have any set goals. I was listening, I was watching a football game and I heard one of the commentators mention the weight of one of the the defensive backs on the, on one of the teams that was playing. He said he was like 225 or something like that. And I was like, wait, I'm almost 230. Right. I was like, holy crap, like I weigh more than that guy and I'm fat and he's not. What's the hell is wrong? Right. Mm -hmm. Um, So I was like, well, so I need to lose weight to get to his weight. So if I lose weight and I build muscle, like I can be the same weight or as close to what I'm at now and I'll be jacked like this guy. Right. Not understanding my body type, not understanding how much fat or muscle I actually already had or didn't have, you know, um, so not having an understanding, and I think that's probably the biggest the biggest piece, right? We associate it, but we don't really understand it. Oh, totally, man. There's a massive disconnect between the weight that you carry and your actual body composition. I mean, and it really is just an experience thing. I mean, my first competition, I wrongly assumed that if I bulked up to 230 pounds, I would be able to compete at 200 pounds and just be super shredded and kill the competition. Whereas right. in reality, I was fat as hell at 230 pounds and 5'8". <laughs> and I had to get down to 155 pounds to be anywhere near competitive. And I wow. just, I, I'd lost all that in three months, and it was incredibly unhealthy. But it really just goes to show that it's not about the number on the scale. It's like your composition, your health, how you feel, how you perform. Like, yeah. who cares yeah. what the number is? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, blood work. If if nobody If you're not getting blood work done, I highly recommend getting some blood work done at least maybe every six months, if not, it just, if most people do it, you know, yearly, but I would say if you're, if you're really want to stay on top of it, go every six months, um, you know, look at the different markers and things, uh, for cholesterol and blood sugar and inflammation. I think honestly, um, if you're on a keto diet and you've been keto adapt and you're, and you're fat adapt, you've been on keto diet for a while. Um, I, 
I almost don't even need to see your cholesterol numbers because I'm pretty sure they're going to be fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, the numbers that I'm more interested in for most people um, is blood sugar, making sure that stays down, um, but inflammation, right? I don't think we talk about the inflammation aspect as much as we could. Totally. We talk about blood sugar. We talk about cholesterol. Um, but my personal experience, the, the my inflammation my inflammation numbers improved dramatically. Um, but at the same time, in my life, in my daily life, I noticed it. I slept better. I recovered from workouts faster. My volume in the gym, the amount I went from three days a week feeling like I got hit by a Mack truck to six days a week, and I feel like let's go do some more, right? Um, which means everything else got better because I was getting so much more volume of work in. Um, it's just the the addition by subtraction of going low carb, no carb is huge. It's super huge. Totally agree, man. And I feel like inflammation is one of those weird things about keto that doesn't really get any in the airtime. Like people don't really talk about it. It's like an afterthought. Mm-hmm. It's like people jump on to lose weight or they hear right. about like all the buzz with like your mental clarity, just mm-hmm. endless energy. And it's not until after they get on, they get started, and they start feeling amazing, and they start noticing, hey, my knees don't hurt anymore. My elbows yep. don't hurt. My shoulder feels fine. And then they're like, aha, inflammation's down. And right. that is like a huge contributing factor to why people stay on the diet, I think. Absolutely. Absolutely. Talk to so many people. I don't know if you know who Mark Stroh is. Mm-hmm. Um, his whole rheumatoid arthritis thing, going carnivore, like he got, was at the point where he couldn't open his fingers because his, his arthritis was so bad. And now he's got full use of his hands. Um, I just, stories like that, it's just like, come on, like, what are, what are, what are we missing guys? There's so much more to this than just losing fat. Totally. So how, how did you happen on keto, man? Like, I'm curious kind of your keto story and how you've been able to spill that into working with your clients. Yeah. So, um, I started, I started, really got into fitness, fitness, um, in my mid to late thirties. Um, I started doing CrossFit when I was 40. Mm-hmm. Um, I had some background coaching. I was actually in the, when I was in the national guard, I was a U.S. army combatives instructor for a few years. Um, so that that in and of itself was probably my first real, holy crap, I need to get in shape. Um, because, you know, MMA fighting is fairly intense. Um, and going through the certification process was to that time, the most strenuous thing I had ever done in my life. Uh, I was, I went to the, it was a, a week long, almost a week long program of getting certified to coach um, uh, mixed martial arts in the army. And I, I felt like I was going to die. Um, there were, there were times where, you know, I went with five other guys. Um, if they had not had been there, if we had not all been there together, uh, I probably would have walked out after the second day. It was absolutely brutal. Um, Either that or I was just so out of shape that it was more brutal than it should have been one or the other. Right. Yeah. Uh, So that's kind of where I got started um, with the, on the fitness side. Um, I was dating somebody who was into nutrition and that was another piece of it. Um, She kind of introduced me to the whole food paleo concept. And uh, the more time we spent, the more I kind of got into that as my lifestyle. Um, and then kind of that just naturally progressed into a low carb keto, whole, you know, whole, whole food approach. Um, I didn't know it was called keto at the time. It just kind of, that's how I was just low carb. I realized that carbs weren't doing me that much good. Um, you've ever heard of the 21 day sugar detox? Uh, I have not heard of that. Okay. So there's a program. (laughs) It's a 21 day, no sugar program. Um, no sugar, no alcohol, no nothing. Right. It's all just, um, veggie, whole food, veggies and, and meat pretty much. Mm-hmm. Um, I did that. And the only thing I changed, cause I was, like I said, I was already pretty low carb whole foods. The only thing I changed, and this is what really got me excited about nutrition and, and getting into this. I stopped drinking alcohol for three weeks. Okay. Now I wasn't an alcoholic. I didn't drink like uh, gobs and gallons of alcohol, but three or four nights a week, I would have a glass of bourbon. I love bourbon. I'm, I've got 13 different bottles on my cabinet right now. Um, but I stopped for three weeks. And in three weeks, I lost 10 pounds of fat. And I gained a pound of muscle. Okay, the only thing I changed was not drinking alcohol. And I was like, 
just looking at my in body at the end of that three weeks going, what in the hell? How did that happen? Like how in the world did a few nights a week of drinking bourbon translate into 10 pounds of fat loss in three weeks? Like I just didn't understand how that worked. Mm-hmm. Um, so that kind of got me thinking like, okay, what I'm putting into my mouth is affecting more than just my energy, more than just the things that you think my weight, it's not just weight, right? It's body composition. I, I started sleeping better. Like all these things were happening. Um, and so that really got me into starting to do my own research and looking at this stuff. Um, several months after that, I was introduced to the carnivore diet and it was kind of a, on a whim, let me try it let's see what happens. Um, primarily because I had some stomach issues, we could say, mm-hmm. to put it, put it nicely. I had some epic bathroom adventures, <laughs> um, and it was common, like this might be too much information for the podcast, but I, I have a history of driving around my car. I always had toilet paper in my car yeah. because I never, I never knew when I may have to find some place to go do stuff, you know? Um, I'm probably the only person in the world who's done number two on the side of a road in another country because he didn't know where he was and had to do it. Right. Um, <laughs> hey, when you gotta go, you gotta go. I, yeah. I was, I was that guy that was like, everything was fine. And then all of a sudden, Oh crap, I need to go right now. Like there was no warning, nothing like that. It was just done. Um, so it was like, maybe this will help my, my bowel issue. Um, after about a month, I was like, this is amazing. I'm going to the bathroom one time a day. I'm in there for five minutes and I'm done. And I have no stress over, getting in the car and going for a drive, going to the airport and taking a flight somewhere. Like I, the stress, I didn't realize how much stress I had over just being oh, not near a bathroom mm-hmm. at, at any point in time, you know, thinking about, okay, I need to try to go to the bathroom before I get in the car. Cause I'm going to be in the car for 45 minutes and I may need to go in that time. Right. I hope there's not rush hour traffic. Cause if I'm stuck in the car for too long, I don't know what I'm going to do. Right. And it, that would just become normal for me, you know? And now it's like, I, it's so weird to think that that's how I used to live and didn't even think about it. There's, there's a lot of instances in my life too, not necessarily in that regard, but like I used to have all these crazy eating disorders and everything. And I would fixate on food and I would like plan my whole life. My whole day was revolving around when I was going to eat, what I was going to eat, how much I was going to eat. And that was literally yeah. all I would think about. Yeah. And similar to you, you know, fixating on this for as much as you did. Like it's, it's weird because we all have these, these things that we fixate on, gravitate on, obsess over. Mm-hmm. And you just assume that it's normal. You just assume that yeah. it's just part of the day. But then as soon as that cloud is lifted and you recognize that it didn't have to be like that, it's like your level of productivity and just sheer enjoyment for being alive is amplified tenfold. That's a great way to put it. Yeah. Cause it's because we, <sighs> we don't know what we don't know until we know it. Mm-hmm. Right. And I was, I was talking to somebody just last night. It's like, you know, when I, whenever some, whenever I'm out eating, right. If I'm out with somebody and I go to a restaurant and I it, invariably, every time I go out somewhere, I'm having, I have this conversation, um, you know, server comes up, what would you like? I'll have the steak, no sides. And then everybody at the table, what do you mean? No sides. You don't eat vegetables. You know, and then I go into this whole thing about, yeah, I don't really eat them. I don't, you know, to me, the, the information that I have, they don't really do much for me. Um, and I'd rather just have the meat anyways. Um, and it always brings up, well, what about this? What about that? What about vitamins? You know, and the, the idea that you could be living a life that isn't as good as it could be based on what you're eating just is almost incomprehensible to people. Yeah. Right. When you tell them that the food that you're putting into your mouth could be doing something that's negatively impacting you, you just don't know it yet because you've never tried not having that before. It's such a, it's like a weird reverse mental game that just it, people, it's really hard for them to wrap their heads around. It's, it's mind blowing, man. Like I will never cease to be amazed at that, what people are not willing to give up to experience the positive that comes with giving that up. I mean, People right. could be in just utter agony, miserable, depressed, like unhealthy, shaving years off their life. But if mm-hmm. they get to have a baked potato every day and a Coke, yep, it's okay. And I'm it's just okay. like, 
looking at them and they'll be just expressing how they wish they could live life differently. And it's like, you can't, right. it's really quite simple. Just throw away the yeah. things that are bringing you no value. Like I've got a very strict guideline in my, in my day to day. And it's like, if I don't get value from this, if it, if it doesn't make my life better or allow me to have more tools or resources to make other people's lives better, then I don't want it in my life, period. No questions mm -hmm. asked. That's just it. That's done. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and that's, it's really hard for people to equate that concept to vegetables yeah, or bread or uh, whatever it is they've got in their life. You know, how many times I've heard someone say, oh my God, I, I, I couldn't do that diet. I need broccoli in my life. Well, okay. Eat some broccoli, right? Just don't put cheese on, you know, cheese or uh, who knows, whatever, whatever. Don't, don't make a, a casserole and put a bunch of noodles in it. Like whatever it is, um, th there's just that, that idea of I couldn't do that because I can't give this up. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, could you give up joint pain? Could you give up two hours of sleep a night? Cause you have insomnia. Could you give up your CPAP machine? Right. Could you give up your blood pressure medication or your metformin or your, you know, the, the money that you're paying for insulin, right? Could you give those up? You would hope so. And you would hope so. Right. And, but they don't equate that to what they're putting into their mouth or what they're not doing, um, for their fitness. It's weird too, because our, I think it's just a human as a species thing. We, we put so much, we put food on a pedestal, you know, it's, it's at every family gathering. It's at every holiday, mm -hmm. every celebration, like, the centerpiece is always the food. And right. I get that to an extent. Like I, I like gathering with family and friends and eating a good meal just as much as anybody. But when it, it's put on a pedestal and it leads to your demise, like right. there that does not benefit the whole. And right. if you're gathering and spending time with family and friends and you're fixating on what's in, on your plate, then you're right. you're missing the boat. I mean, you need to be focusing on the relationships in your life, and you're going to be able to enjoy those relationships for a hell of a lot longer if you're healthy. Right. And how many families have recipes that have been passed down? Right. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm thinking about my family. We have a spaghetti recipe that's a family recipe. We have a biscuit recipe. We have a date nut bread recipe. Like we've got three or four different recipes that have been handed down, and all of them are carb-based, right? Breads, noodles, things like that. There's no, it's not like, Hey, here's a meatloaf recipe. That's mostly meat. Here's a, here's a great way to steak to season and, and cook a steak that my grandpa taught me, you know, whatever. It's not none of that. It's always the comfort foods that get, get passed down from there's a person a to person cinnamon roll recipe. It's been in my family for like three generations that my great, yeah, great granny made. And it was like, all the kids over the years have like helped her make these cinnamon rolls and it gets passed down. Right. And you know, my dad, like I love my dad, don't get me wrong, but he literally mm. shames me every single time <laughs> he makes these cinnamon rolls and I don't like dive in to help. And then like I right. don't eat one when they're done. And it's like, you know, I, I, I love my great, great granny who's not no longer with us, but I don't mm -hmm. feel like she's going to feel like I have, you know, cast my love for her away because I don't eat her cinnamon rolls. Like it's, it's right. bigger than that. And I'm just amazed at how many people let those superficial things run their life and, and dictate their decisions. Like I just don't yeah. get it, man. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, I, and I don't know how to, I wish there was a way in mass to make a change for that. Right. Unfortunately, um, where we are, uh, it has to be, you know, podcasts like yours is a great way to start getting more, getting this idea and these concepts out to more people. But for the most part, we're on the ground running with, you know, one person at a time, right? Making that, that impact as much as we can try to get the word out, try to expose people to the idea that they have control over their lives. You know, as much as people, you would think people would know, um, people still think that a lot of these things are genetic, that it's passed down from family member to family member. Mm -hmm. And to me, it's more, um, I wish I could come up with a word that sounded like genetic, but wasn't genetic and just conveyed the idea of if your parents ate a certain way and lived a certain way, 
then you probably ate a certain way and lived a certain way. So you're going to have the same results that they had. Right. Yeah. But it's not necessarily genetic. It's right. It's family lifestyle that's been passed down to, from generation to generation um, that has the same end result. Yeah. I mean, it's epigenetics. That's more of a problem. I mean, you yeah. see so many people. I mean, you, you can, you can literally change the, the, you know, foundation for your, your offspring based off of the decisions you make in your life. Mm -hmm. And I mean, like that fact alone, like how can people not dig deep and learn and educate themselves so they can be giving their kids the best foundation possible? I mean, again, kind of right. going back to the, just a self selfish way of thinking if you're not thinking like that. Yeah. But, you know, I yeah. want to be able to, to learn as much as I can and, and give my future kids every possible advantage. And honestly, like, it, it's it may sound kind of I don't know mean of me, but if I'm raising my kids eating meat and I'm teaching if if my family recipes passed down how to cook the best ribeye and everybody else is the cinnamon rolls, then my kids gonna be the fastest on the playground and the elite, you know. So I absolutely, guess less absolutely. competition off the top. <laughs> yeah, right. And that's how it should be. Like I I would hope that every parent would be open to the idea that there's a better way out there like if you're if you're if you're struggling um and and, and i know it's hard i know it's hard for parents right I, I've, I've got four i've got four kids they're all teenagers or, or adults now um and i know how difficult it is to get kids to eat things that you want them to eat it is nerve-wracking it is frustrating um but it can be done mm -hmm. and if you're giving, if you're trying to make a change, and that's probably the hardest, the biggest hurdle for a lot of parents with young, especially with young kids, if they've been doing something for 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 a long time, right? If you've got kids that are two, three, four years old, five years old, six, eight, whatever, um, and they've been eating mac and cheese and chicken nuggets and you know cereal every morning and all this kind of stuff, right there, they've got this this connection to these foods, and then you're going to come home one day and say, hey, guess what? We're just eating meat and veggies from now on. They're going to be like, what the hell are you talking about, right? Um, they're probably not going to want to eat for a while. But I promise you, they will eventually eat, and they will eventually eat what you give them to eat. Mm -hmm. They're not going to go out and buy their own food if they're six years old, right? Yeah. So they will eventually eat what you give them, and if you're making the right choices, it will make a huge difference. Yeah, totally. And I mean, kids, I don't know, like, like it's hard to kind of – rule with an iron fist because then they're going to just push back that much harder yep. but yep. the yep. earlier you can start them you know on the right path and just lead by example i mean that's the main thing you just gotta that, parent yep. by example like i don't want Absolutely. to force my kids to do a certain thing i want them to do it because they want to do it but sure. if they are seeing me and they're wanting to emulate any hopefully success that i'm seeing then a lot of that's going to stem from the quality foods that i'm eating correct if it's if it's what's in the house and it's what you're doing, then the chances are way more likely they're going to, they're going to do it more easily. Um, there's nothing. And I've had, I don't know if you've had to deal with this, but being a gym owner, I owned a CrossFit gym for five years. I've had parents and I want to strangle them. They walked in the door with their kid and said to my face as an overweight parent, okay, my kid's fat. I need you to fix them exact words wow. and i and i'm like looking at this parent i'm like what are you thinking right now right and i would in in that situation it would it should it should have been i want to come work out with my kids so we can both get in shape that would be so much more effective so much less detrimental to the the self-image of that child so much more beneficial for the parent and the child's relationship like so many other ways that could be going about that could have gone about happening. Um, but you know, it's hard. Some parents just don't get it. All right. So I've got a, I've got one more question for you, man. This is kind of a tough yeah. question to end on here, but, but I like tough questions. So that said, and everything we've talked about thus far has been kind of like, how do we appeal to the mass of the general population? Like we're not trying to move this message across just to the, the upper level athletes. We just want everyone yeah. to be healthy. So, Taking that, you know, you look at a lot of people out there and you push yourself, you have drive, you have ambition, so do I. So it's easier for us to dig deep and just embrace the discomfort. Mm -hmm. 
you see so many people out there that just avoid any obstacle, any challenge, sure. any pain, any discomfort. Yeah. And it's hard to know how to navigate the waters as a coach, but then it's just as a human amongst your fellow right. humans. Like, do you portray yourself in a way of like, let's just, you know, let's, let's have a participation award. Let's have, you know, eight place trophies. Let's, let's all just be okay with one another and recognize that we're all not going to be the best. Or do you just look them in the eye and be like, no, look, you're just lazy because you've been lazy and you need to just rip the bandaid off on that and understand that life is hard and you got to double down and work on that. You know, like I, I struggle with that because I am very much so a, a very type A person. Like that's why I wake up or that's why I hustle. That's why I grind. Like I love that, but I recognize yeah. that that's not like people are not there yet. And it's taken me a while to get there. I wasn't born that way, mm-hmm. but it's harder to, the longer you've been like that, the harder it is to kind of like rewind and put yourself back at square one and talk to somebody that's at square one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I am not a participation trophy kind of guy. Yeah. Um, I think the, the message needs to be life is hard and life is not going to take it easy on you. If you don't do something right, if you don't do what you need to do to maintain your health, life will take your health from you. Mm-hmm. Like it's just, there's no way around that. Like I, I, why should I be soft on somebody if life isn't going to be my job as a coach is to say, look, I'm trying to get you to spend the energy to avoid this and not have to worry about spending the energy to survive this. I like right. That. So that that's kind of where I, where I fit now, how I deliver that message is going to be different depending on the person's personality, the background, where they are, that type of stuff. Right. I'm not going to, walk up to everybody and say, Hey, fat ass, let's go. Um, but there, you know, there may be some people that need a little bit more firm hand. There may be some people that need a little bit more understanding and, um, a careful walkthrough. Right. Um, but the message is still the same, right? You're here because, um, either one of two things, you either want something bad enough to be here or you want to stay away from something bad enough to be here. Mm-hmm. and that you have to keep those things in front of them and remind them about that. Like, this is why you're here. Let's go. It's going to be hard. I'm here for you. You can do it. I love that, man. You got to, you got to have a really strong why. And then you have to, yeah. have, you have to have enough self-awareness to be honest with yourself and know where you're at currently. Yeah. And don't be afraid to start. Gosh, please don't be afraid to start where you are. Don't let your ego get in the way. Um, I see it more with guys, right? Because guys, like you said, they have that self-image thing. They want to try to be back what they were 20 years ago. Um, and they always end up getting hurt, mm-hmm. right? Cause they don't listen. You don't need to go that heavy. You don't need to do that movement. You don't need to do this. Just do it like this instead. No, I got it. I got it. Oh, my back. It's like, I told you just relax. Um, don't let your ego get in the way. Do what you're, listen to your body, do what you can do to be successful. It is a process. Like you said, it is long-term. Um, give yourself short-term goals that will step you forward. Don't just try to take everything in big chunks because then you're going to get lost along the way. Totally agree, man. I love it, brother. I love it. This is why we see eye to eye on everything. Yeah. Uh, we got to do this again, man. I, I feel like if, if it weren't a time cap on the podcast, we could talk for another hour or so. For sure. I want to start doing podcast in person whether it's me just driving all over the, the states <laughs> and just doing podcasts in person with a video like okay. i, I want to do something like that because i feel like you know there's nothing that beats just connecting with somebody that's of a similar mind or totally different mind just you know getting a different perspective on things sure but i love i love this right here talking communicating connecting and then it turning into a conversation that hopefully you know educates or inspires others yeah man i mean i could always come out there we could do a workout together do something or I mean, whatever. I mean, next conference we got together or something, maybe we can do that. Count me in, man. hundred percent. All right, dude. Well, where can people go to find out more about you, brother? Um, so I am on Instagram. Uh, Bronson dance 72 is my Instagram handle. Uh, you can go to my website. It's the apex training system. It's at HTTPS APXTS. It's abbreviated.com. Um, and on Facebook, you can find me, Bronson Dan, or the Apex Training System is my business page there. Perfect. I will um, link to those two. And then also, just real quick, I'll plug the uh, the Fit and Fabulous training method. So I've partnered with Dr. Jamie Seaman, Dr. Fit and Fabulous, for those of you who know um, 
know her in the keto space. Uh, mm -hmm. We are running an online fitness program that basically provides workouts to your phone um, that you can do at home, you can do at your gym. Um, and then, you know, I'm the coach in there. So if you have questions, you can always ask me questions. Um, and it's a great community. We have almost 200 people in there now and they're killing it. Um, doing workouts, posting about the workouts, giving feedback um, and showing the success of what it is to have a community, to have somebody, uh, have a group of people that you're kind of working with through your part of your journey. I love it. I will link out to that. Um, I love what you're doing, man. Like I, I love the, the target audience that you're focusing on and then just empowering people no matter where they're at or where they're wanting to go. Like I've said it a million times, but I feel like we all have this just innate primal ability and just greatness inside of us. Mm -hmm. And we just need to figure out where it's at and pull it out and manifest it. Yeah. And surra surrounding yourself with other people who are going, doing things to make themselves better is one of the best ways to do that. Couldn't agree more, man. Well, until next time, brother, you keep killing it. All right. You too. See you, man.